0: You're listening to Back to the Light with JD Rieger, Election Anxiety Super Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger. For this episode, we're going to really dive into something we've previously only mentioned in passing, and that's the election. Now, if you listen to the show, you can probably guess which way my political views tend to lean, and that's to the left. I believe this country is in a crisis largely of its own making, and the first step of many towards healing and any real progress is defeating Donald Trump on November 3rd. I believe we can do that, and I'm hopeful that we will. But even in the best-case scenario, the situation is and has been fraught with just cause for anxiety and despair. And that's to say nothing of the specter of things not going the right way looming overhead. You don't have to remember very far, 2016, 2000, to know what I'm talking about. Now, because I've decided not to post a new show the week of the election, we've got kind of a huge episode this week to make it up to you. In a little while, we're going to talk to comedian Katrina Coleman, one of my homies from Memphis, about her anxiety leading up to the election and why she's supporting Joe Biden. But first, let's welcome Dr. Aaron Sayers back to the show. Aaron is my old friend and bandmate, who also happens to be a PhD psychologist and a practicing therapist and who also has a lot of good ideas about coping skills and self-care strategies during these troubled times. Here's me and Aaron. All right, thanks for joining us, Dr. Sayers.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad to have you. Um, <laughs> how, how have you been doing during the pandemic and everything lately? It's been a little while since we spoke and had you on the show.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad to be back. No, uh, I'm doing fine. Um, uh, you know, trying to do some social distancing, and also I go to work every day. When I go to work, so we're going to health clinic. So, you know, try to social distance there. But um, uh, yeah, I'm doing well, and I'm um, uh, you know just like everyone. I think I am very much ready for this thing to be over. So that's that's my uh, overarching sentiment.
0: Sure have Have you noticed, I guess, in your practice, an uptick in? stress anxiety depression these sorts of things among you know folks in your practice
1: so i predominantly um work with like a a veteran population and so it's interesting how like some folks um that i've worked with have talked about if you think about the pandemic it's probably what been at this point like seven months eight months i don't know it was interesting how some folks would talk about the front end they but comfortable to them because they could, they're already staying at home. Um, some folks are really reactive to the um, sort of lockdown. I've, I've had some people who are really reactive to wearing masks and all that. Um, but uh, as far as depression, anxiety, secondary to the pandemic, I think on the front end, I, there was some of that. And then now what I hear people talking about is some people just kind of being ready to get on with their lives. Um, a lot of people,
0: Exhaustion or fatigue. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. And I think um, people's like, natural coping skills, right? So for a lot of people, even for me, right, it's getting outside and going for walks or uh, for some people, it's going to the gym. And I think a lot of folks don't feel comfortable going to a gym. You know, so doing those things that we would normally do that are normally our stress relievers, that has been difficult for people who um, I've seen more of that. People who can't do what they would typically do. And so maybe they're not working, maybe not going to the gym or getting out. And so uh, there's a feeling of purposelessness throughout the course of the day, I think, for people. yeah, And that that can be certainly um, would have a tendency to negatively impact your mood for sure.
0: Well, you kind of touched on it already, but my next question was going to be like, what are some of the methods that you recommend for dealing with whether it's stress or depression or whatever, um, that you might be like, I mean, certainly like going, taking
1: walks and getting exercise is a big one. Mm -hmm. And are you talking about kind of in general or like, like in secondary? Sure. I mean,
0: I mean, second, and I mean, I sort of am lumping the pandemic into the whole, because it has been, you know, elements of it have been so politicized. Uh, Um, uh I'm sort of wrapping, you know, the, the election cycle, the unrest, the pandemic—I'm—I'm I'm sort of just wrapping it all into one thing right now for all for our purposes. People okay. who are people who are struggling right now for whatever reason. Um, I mean, do, beyond the exercise thing, I mean, do, do you rec- do you recommend maybe limiting exposure to things like social media or the news cycle or things like that mm-hmm. for people who might be getting too caught up in that?
1: Yes, so absolutely. So I think it's a good question because all these things are sort of related and we can talk about uh, the contemporary situation and even like the zeitgeist of what's going on in our country in a variety of ways. Um, So I think about uh, for people who, like I consider myself like a news junkie. So there's that. And I enjoy it. For some people, they watch the news and many people get very, very agitated. Watching the news, so so they're getting angry, um, and or they're feeling scared. Or I
0: I find it very frustrating. There's only so much. Like if I turn on CNN, and it's not Mm -hmm. like a breaking thing that I feel like I need to, you know, watch. If I just turn it on to see what's going on, I I can very rarely stick with it for very long before I start feeling angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, like I, I really believe that taking a news diet could be important. So the idea of giving yourself a limit to how much time you watch. So whether or not that's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, because if you're somebody who watches TV news and certainly the 24-hour news channels, whether or not it's Fox, uh, CNN, or MSNBC, I don't even have cable, so I don't watch these things. Um, I I will skim their websites at times. But um, so I I think giving yourself an amount of time that you will watch or engage in that for some people is going to be very helpful in the same way that people talk about um, when they get on social media, so whether or not it's Facebook or Twitter or any of those things that limiting your amount of time, because there's so much stuff that's provocative on there intentionally. So, so that's a big one. And I, I think it's the same thing with the news. If you think about again, the 24 hour news cycle or now the 24 hour news channels, and facebook and you know everyone most people have the internet um i still think of it like it's a financially oriented thing where these places whether that's tv or the internet or the radio they get money they're compensated right by the more people they have watching it so they have to do provocative things to keep us watching it so i think we also have to think of it like that is that it's also a business on their side and we don't have to engage in their business so um So I I say that in a roundabout way to say, you know, you can limit that. And I I also believe in it's going to be better for people to avoid the, like again, with the news people on TV, it's more the opinion versus straight news is not clearly delineated. And so, And,
0: and it's even worse when you're talking about, you know, discussions that you know eventually turn into like flame lore flame wars or whatever (laughs) Uh, on social media you know like sometimes you know i i had to stop myself from getting involved in like comment thread debates on facebook because they you know even if i won an argument in my mind like I just would always end up feeling like empty and frustrated and pissed off yeah. and, and like it wasn't doing, and it wasn't doing anyone any good.
1: Absolutely. So, so you're aware of that, right? I, I believe in that too. The idea of what is the, is a good thing for a person to pay attention to is what is the intention of engaging in that? Um, you know, this idea of, do you feel better when you, get into a back and forth on social media on these things. Um, And there's certainly a difference between having a genuine conversation with somebody either on the phone or texting or I guess even online. But it seems like a lot of times it goes, it gets very judgmental and antagonistic and kind of just uncivil like very quickly a lot of times it seems. And I can't imagine that there are some people who enjoy that and they get a kick out of it, but I think a lot of people don't and find it you know, stressful.
0: I'm certainly one of those. And (laughs) limiting, you know, at my therapist's suggestion, you know, limiting those types of engagements was part of my strategy in this very early on.
1: Mm -hmm. Because you got to think like, do you feel good when you do it? Do you feel worse? And I'm not somebody who personally gets into the the need to win an argument thing. Um, That's not an urge that I have, although I'm sure I do at times, but that is a big urge for people is to with an argument, and oh, I just I just like to argue, or you know, people can't argue anymore. But you know, conversations are one thing. Flame throwing, like you said, or super intense, judgmental language arguments—that um, doesn't do anybody any good. I don't think.
0: Yeah. Well, here's another thing: because of how intensely and personally uh, people are taking this whole thing, um, regardless of who wins, there are going to be people. Um, after the outcome, who are very fearful and freaked out by by that result, uh, whoever the winner is. So I'm wondering, like, do you have anything to say? Like, um, how how do you deal with those feelings of fear and disappointment should your candidate not win? That's
1: a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I think about that like. Um, well, this has always been the, you think about it, right? We've, we always have elections every four years. And so people's candidates always don't win every four years. So that will be the case Sure. that somebody's candidate um, will not win and somebody's will. Um, I, I guess uh, I'll kind of link this to something that you might talk about on election anxiety in general is being aware of. And focusing on what you can control what's within your sphere of influence as compared to what's not so um, i know for a lot of people uh, in this current election well let's think back to like 2016. you know you had um president trump won uh, hillary clinton lost and so a lot of people like there was like that march on washington like the women's march shortly thereafter right so that was a way for people women other people to take in, to do things in action in line with their values, right? So to stay in touch with um, a thing that you can control. I can't control the election at this point, but I can go and show uh, support to other women, or I can uh, protest, those sorts of things. So that's a way of using something that's within your sphere of influence, right? You can talk to your friends, you can do these things. Um, So I say that because it's hard to, like, when you feel so... Elections are designed, I think, to be emotionally provocative, because that's what moves people, right? Is emotion. Sure. Um, I think emotion people, more so than people logic. People
0: very rarely vote on intellectual issues; they vote with yeah. their gut.
1: Yeah, it, and that's why you know I was watching something recently where um, I guess it was those Lincoln Project people who were talking about they were getting interviewed and they were talking about um, so such, such people don't like negative ads, but negative ads work. Because they are emotional. They provoke emotion. Yeah. So trigger
0: fear um, response.
1: mm -hmm. Absolutely. Which is not an emotion that is typically healthy to engage in, right? We don't want to live our lives in fear. That's not, but it's it's an
0: effective motivator in the short term.
1: Can be. Yes, very much so. So I don't know. I think about like, um, some of these things are going to be the same if your candidate loses is to, if you need to turn off the news for a little bit to give yourself some downtime, if you need to commiserate, or just to reconnect to people that you lo- know and love, or do activities that you enjoy, so staying socially connected, these sorts of things, um, and I think about that term that, um, what was it like in the nineties? And it's probably been around for much longer than that. But I remember when we were in the nineties. But that you know, think globally, act locally. You know, like you may think on what's going on globally or at the national level, but also stay engaged in your local area whether or not that's politically or with people that are in your sphere um, so that you're connected and know that there'll be other people who feel like you or that you can connect with. I think that's important.
0: Um, I know this is maybe hard to answer, but you know, do you expect like say hypothetically, if Trump wins, do you expect a deeper um, sense of divide amongst the country and like a deepening, you know, a drawing of, of lines even further or, and, and I guess the counterpoint to that is, I mean, do you have any hope that if the, the, um, the result is the opposite, do you expect any sort of sense of relief coming from, do you know I, do you get a sense of what I'm trying I, to ask?
1: Well, I, I'll say this. Um, I, there will be people who feel, If Trump wins, there will be people who feel a lot of relief. If Biden wins, there will be people who feel a lot of relief. Um, I I do say, I I do think that, um, again, you know, I'm I'm 41. So, you know, you and I are around the same age. um, Is that in our lifetime, this, these last four years have felt different than other periods of time of what's going on.
0: Yeah. This feels um, so much different than e- if you just think back even to George W. Bush and how and how intense that all felt at the time, how divided we were about George W. Bush and even and that. Yeah. yeah. Even that looking back seems like a much simpler time.
1: Yeah. There was an amount of, um, I guess you could say like, uh, again, I'm not a politician and I'm not a political scientist and a, or a political commentator, but there seemed to be a genuine feeling of more of um, civility as well as taking people, whether or not we're talking about Democrats or Republicans or politicians, assuming that people had the best interests moving forward, um, I guess in certain areas, but then we can always subdivide these things. So what about this issue or, or this section? But yeah, it has, this, these last four years I think have felt different. And, um, and so that being said, People's responses are, like, emotion is the thing that comes up now, I think, more than other times. It's always been there, but it just seems very emotional. And for many people, very good reason. Um, but it's very, um, I mean it's understandably stressful for a lot of people, or it creates, a, it activates a stress response. That's one way of thinking about it. So if I want to kind of go to that place for a second here. So when you do like the negative ads, or we do things that create the stress response, you know, that traditional sort of fight flight or freeze response. Um, That is a tactic that is being activated a lot of times here, which is not healthy. And so if we're engaging, if we, as the receiver of that, continue to engage with a thing that creates that within us, you know, we're going to, we're not going to feel rested. We're not going to feel healthy. We're going to feel um, scared, right? Fearful, uh, angry. And so we, I, I, I think from a health standpoint, a mental health standpoint, to pull back from that, um, from those triggers or those stimuli. Again, whether that's news, other people, it could be topics of conversation, right? Like
0: if, social media, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is the answer to- basically just limit exposure, or are there? I mean, is there any other possible coping mechanism? That someone I, I think so,
1: right? Well, so okay. I, I looked up before we met. I decided I said, "Well, let me see what 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 are some suggestions around this." And so I looked up um, the American Psychological Association, which is the um, primary um, organization that does public health around mental health awareness, and that also represents psychologists. Um, and so they were talking about uh, they did a recent survey, or they had a recent survey conducted, and it was something like. Um, Said, you know, their their, their tagline on their um, their PR thing about this was ahead of the most divisive election in decades. More than two thirds of U.S. adults, 68 percent, said that the twenty twenty election is a significant source of stress in their life, which was a large increase from the twenty sixteen, which they said fifty two percent said the same. Um, and so, and it was regardless of party, but I think it was like seventy six percent of Democrats said it, sixty seven percent of Republicans,
0: yeah, sixty
1: four of Independents thought it's stressful, but so they did a thing on, they, they, they provided some sort of guidelines on this. And so we can kind of talk about those. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Let's
0: go. Yeah. If you want to go through them, I I, I'd love that.
1: Yeah. And try to expand upon that. So they talk about uncertainty being stressful, um, in general, right? So uncertainty, we don't know the future, right? And here's the thing where we will know the future, but we may not know who the winner is on election night. Um, but some people are going to inherently be better at dealing with uncertainty than others. But you you began this conversation with me by referencing like the three major things that are going on. And we can add a fourth, but the election, the COVID pandemic, uh, social unrest. But we can also add economic unrest to that, right? Because we have many people who have lost jobs. Uh, yep, I'm during, one of them. Sure, right? So that's inherently stressful. I imagine it's been stressful for you. It um, has indeed. right it it would be normal for that to be stressful and so um and that's getting worse that's not getting better right now so um so we we can begin to with this uncertainty we can begin to ruminate meaning just to think on it over and over again on the worst case scenario and so we want to kind of stop the habit of ruminating that was one of their suggestions so There's multiple ways to stop rumination, but I do like the idea. I think it's helpful for people to remember that our mind focusing on these negative things over and over again, the potential for negative or anxiety, right? The focusing on that. Um, On the one hand, it's a way for our brains to try to make sense of something. So it's a problem solving mechanism, but it doesn't help once you're, once it's creating problems. It's loses its effectiveness. So that rumination is not healthy and there are ways to stop it. So for some people, it's like, I can't sleep because my brain races, you know, maybe to like quite literally to write down what your brain, what you're focusing on and just say to yourself, I can come back to that tomorrow when I wake up. That's a classic one that actually does help people because you're saying to yourself to your brain, well, I will allow myself the time to focus on this. And then for some people, it may be, um, it's a classic psychological intervention is for people to give themselves 30 minutes or an hour to literally ruminate, to think about it and say, this is my worry time. And I'm going to literally carve out time in my day to worry so that I know that I can allow myself to do that. And that might be,
0: that's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah. Because you're saying, okay, i am let myself do that because the worry is it's trying to help your brain. It's trying to help your body. You're trying to figure it out, but you can't. So it gets stuck in that cycle. So Yeah. But can you imagine doing that for yourself or for people like to give yourself 30 minutes to worry or an hour to worry? Uh,
0: You know, I mean, I think usually people either, um, you know, it's just like, I shouldn't worry. I got to stop worrying. (laughs) Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like no one ever really consciously schedules time to worry. And that's that's kind of an it's a very yeah, it's an interesting concept concept to me. Mm
1: And so that might be similar to what we talked about earlier about like the news diet, right? If we know that the news is a provocative thing for you or something that gets your blood pressure going or gets you angry or whatever it is, um, or social media for that matter, right. To say, okay, well, I'll give myself 30 minutes a day to do that or an hour, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: My Um, thing is I, I check CNN, like the webpage in the morning and I look uh at it like for like five, 10 minutes. And then that's, that's usually about it. That's my, I'm
1: done. Mm -hmm. That that might work. What's interesting with that, though, and again, I think about myself this way, is it's so that's how we bring in the news But Isn't isn't that so different than looking at a newspaper? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like actually reading the news and sitting down and reading like the the phenomenological experience of that. It's like, okay, I'm going to skim on this and I'm going to have a bunch of ads as opposed to that. The static newspaper for the course of the day. You
0: know, it's almost kind of better for me because if I had like a newspaper sitting around that it would almost be like a constant reminder like I'd be uh-huh. seeing the newspaper sitting on the desk <laughs> as I walked by it and I'd be like, "Oh, I should really read that article or whatever, you know." Uh-huh. And it and it would probably like with with the with you know, with the websites or whatever, I can I can look at it and then it's like completely out of my mind and then the rest of the day I you, I'm, you know, I'm making podcasts and you know, doing doing other stuff, playing video games, yeah. playing with my cats, whatever.
1: So that's a good one right there, right? So uh, to kind of playing with the cats, playing a video game, if you enjoy that. Um, So one of their other suggestions is to engage in meaningful activities. So things that are meaningful to you. So for many people, spending time with their pets is a hugely meaningful one. Spending time with friends or spending time with family is hugely meaningful. Um, it It could be like taking political action. So this is one thing that's different than what we talked about earlier. So rather than, Avoiding the news for some people, it may be to actually actively engage in the, poli- the political process. So, whether or not it's doing get out the vote things, whether or not it's, um, I could see
0: voluntary. how that would bring some relief to feel like you know, at the end of the day, I you know, I did a little something now I can let this rest.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, could, I did I something could see that. in
1: line, yeah, I did something in line with my values. So this issue is important to me at, at a core level. This issue is one of my values and I want to work on that. So maybe it's homelessness, maybe it's, um, uh, financial issues, whatever, whatever it is, right. Uh, people are going to take different stances on an issue, but engaging on your side of it could be really helpful for you because you feel like you're actually doing something.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, that's similar to focusing on what you can control, which is another there, you know, so again, um, you can control how much you watch the news. So you can take a, give yourself permission to do that. Again, I think the, um, another one that they talk about, but I talk about this all the time and is staying physically active if you're physically capable of doing so, right? So continuing to move your body because it helps us release the energy that we build up. So if it's going for walks and there is, by the way, uh, from an exercise standpoint, there's a lot of research that talks about um, walking is just as helpful as running and all these things, but um, doing exercise outdoors might have a more of a stress relieving nature than indoors, but particularly if you're able to be like in parks or um, not in a neighborhood, so for those of you like yourself who lives in a big city like Chicago, people who live in New York or other metropolitan areas, that's different. So finding a park, if you're going to do it in town, that feels more rural or more open air. Um, that that's literally thing reduces.
0: That Chicago is blessed with a number of beautiful parks. I have like mm-hmm. uh, one, I have a park uh, right beside the Chicago River with neat little hiking trails and stuff, just beautiful. less than less than a block away. And yeah, one of my one of my go-to moves actually uh, when I need to just check out for a little while is I. I go for a walk in the park and I listen to this podcast called the unmistakable creative, which is kind of like a dual sort of creativity and just like positive, just like a very positive, you know, sort of a lightly self-helpy podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it's just getting out, getting the fresh air, getting some of that uh, vitamin D from the sun or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that's supposed to help you uh, from the sunshine. Um, It, it really, really, it really helps.
1: Yeah. It's so good for us. And it's something that, again, right. You said you can just go to the park down your street. I'm lucky where I live. There's a park right by my house. Um, and so it's very, it does something to the cortisol, to the stress hormone in our brain. It, It reduces our stress levels more when we're out in nature than when we're just indoors doing that, a similar activity. So they're both good for you health wise, but the stress relieving part, um, it's good. So I think that's, that's something for people to do.
0: Cool. Is that, is that the list? Is there anything else we should touch
1: on? Uh, We've really kind of talked about a lot of these, you know, uh, focusing on what you can control, engaging in activities that are meaningful to you that are in line with your values, staying socially connected, staying active. And then just last one, acknowledging that we may not know who wins on the election day, that, that day we may have to wait a little bit of time. And if you think that will raise your anxiety, they suggest to keep busy with things that you enjoy. So it's the same things that we talked about.
0: Continue um, with life. Don't like put a pause on your whole life just because the election results are contested for a few days or weeks or however long it three takes. Months
1: it could be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who, like unforeseeable. Who knows?
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a fascinating time in some ways. And again, I think one thing we we didn't address is how some. And I think it's important to think about is some people are going to feel this more acutely. So, if I'm a person who, um, not just issues that are important to me, but rather issues that impact me, you know, directly. If the candidate or the side that tends to do X and I am directly impacted by X, I'm going to be more uh, impacted by this than if I'm just an observer of that. So, you know, I know it's been, we've talked about social issues this summer, we've talked a lot about, um, it's been uh, in the news and it's been people's lives, right? So like um, the Black Lives Matter movement are minority individuals, right? So if I'm uh, if a candidate who is directly opposed to me having certain rights, whether or not that could be a woman's right to choose or um, issues that impact uh, minority communities or poor communities or however you want to think about that, marginalized communities, broadly Immigration
0: speaking. laws, whatever. Sure.
1: Yep if I'm a person who is directly impacted by those issues that I'm going to feel them stronger. And so, and that's a very genuine thing. You know um, I think about like, if I'm a white man, middle-class these things, which are not everybody is right, but that's sort of classic, right. I'm going to be less impacted by things. It's, it it may be easier for me to turn that off and to say, ah, screw it. That's just, doesn't really bother me. It doesn't affect my life. Yeah. Yeah. Than if I'm a person of color or a woman or a, um, a queer individual, you know, a gender non-binary person, right. Somebody who may take these, uh, feel these issues much more strongly because they're like, they're more in the news and they're yeah. more, um, going to have a direct impact on a person's life. Their, their lives the are
0: literally more directly threatened.
1: Correct. Correct. And so I, I, think that we have to, um, acknowledge that for many individuals, these things do impact uh, them personally and directly. Um, And so I think that's an important to acknowledge that and to um, have respect for that for people.
0: For sure. I I wholeheartedly agree. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I I think that's a good, that's a solid place for us to end Aaron. I think we did Mm -hmm. well for ourselves here. I want to thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be here.
0: All right. And I think
1: um, it's a, it's a great opportunity to, for us to all engage in self-care around this
0: time out before we get to Katrina Coleman, I need to ask you to check out patreon.com slash That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash J-D-R-E-A-G-E-R and become a supporter of me and back to the light. Subscribers to the Patreon get ad-free versions of this show, exclusive music content, and more. Also, if you're looking for other ways to show support, you can subscribe to the podcast, share us on social media, or simply send a link to the show to someone who might like it. Everything helps. Thank you in advance. And now here's the ad. My next guest is comedian Katrina Coleman. You might know her from the You Look Like comedy shows, running the Memphis Comedy Festival, and her numerous club appearances around the country. I've been meaning to get her on the podcast for a while, and we have a really great conversation here about this mess we're in. Here's me and Katrina. Thanks for joining us, Katrina.
2: Thank you for having me, J.D.
0: It's been a while.
2: Yeah, it has been. How's Chicago treating you?
0: Oh, it's good. It's much better lately, actually. You know, we've got a new place and some new friends and stuff. It's it's pretty good.
2: (laughs) Friends does help. You guys kind of ran off into the wild blue north. It's not very
0: blue. Well, I mean, except for the Cubs, it's really not very blue. It's mostly gray.
2: (laughs) Especially that W banner, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Fly the W. Isn't that what they say?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that was a temperature check. You haven't fallen into a Cub fan quite.
0: No, I'm I'm still a Cardinals fan, actually. Oh, no, don't
2: tell them that.
0: Yeah, it's actually it's quite fun. It's quite fun to reveal that like after you've already made friends with somebody. It's kind of it's kind of a new, little knife twist.
2: <laughs> it's too late for them to go back. Fucking cards, fans. <laughs> Oh, my God. My uh, husband is from Chicago and he just overheard my side of the conversation with fucking cards. Fans.
0: <laughs> hey, what's up, Ryan? <laughs>
2: hey what's up brian i apologize i did find a quiet spot he was coming through the room just passing by
0: <laughs> it's all good um
2: they, they get rowdy i understand the part of the reason i like chicagoans is that they are very intense about things that that really don't matter
0: yeah yeah like like ketchup on hot dogs and things yeah. that really shouldn't really shouldn't matter to anyone
2: But when I met my husband in Chicago and he talked about ketchup on hot dogs, I know I feel the same way about slaw on a barbecue sandwich. So we sort of like found a common ground and things like that.
0: So are you pro or anti slaw?
2: Are you kidding
0: me right
2: See, I got angry the back of my neck. Of course you put the slaw on the sandwich.
0: Of course, I I feel the same way. I I enjoy slaw on the sandwich, but I do know some very um, vigilant um, anti slaw people.
2: I assume that they're all the Thomas J type and they don't allow their food to touch. I want all of my food touching. A good meal is a meal where all of the sides and the entree can complement each other. You just mash it all up. You're going to chew it anyway.
0: Do you know, do you know who hates slaw on barbecue sandwiches?
2: Who hates slaw on
0: barbecue? Chris Harrington.
2: <gasps> I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Um, no, Chris, I've yeah, always totally. been respectful of uh, your work. Like I respect your work. I think you're a wonderful person, but you can go. Are we allowed
0: to curse here? Oh, sure. It's like the woods.
2: (laughs) Chris, you can go fuck
1: yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. So so tell me, I guess, you know, election's coming up. Early voting has started. Mm -hmm. Reports of record turnout and all that. Are you feeling optimistic or still feeling anxious or is it some of both?
2: I'm very anxious. Um, very optimistic uh, Because that that's my personality is to be optimistic. However, I have been alive for the last <laughs> I Would say last four years but really the last 36 so I Don't know. I'm I'm hopeful. I have not early voted yet uh, because of the pandemic and Recently, I visited a doctor. My blood pressure is a little high, so it's probably not good for my blood pressure to stand in line for two hours to early vote. Uh, while we're is that about, is
0: that what the scene is like in Memphis right now? Two-hour lines,
2: yes, and wrapped around. And by all accounts, like all pictures, everyone's social distancing and wearing their masks and whatnot. Uh, however, I do know that when you go vote, I, I, I don't think this is just Memphis thing. Uh, the the pollsters, the, the last minute sort of like campaigners are allowed to be a hundred feet away and in any big election, like I have to run for my car past them to cause I don't, I don't want that. I don't deal with that, but I know if I stand in line and I'm,
0: is there a big turnout of like Trump supporters down there or is it, is it a mixture of both?
2: I don't know. Uh, I don't think in my neck of the woods, because I'm, you know, I'm here in Midtown Memphis, which is a very blue part of the city and very, very liberal.
0: But sometimes they show up, you know, in places where they think they're not wanted, you know, just to to make a scene also.
2: Yeah, that seems like a a weird compulsion to have. (laughs) Also, the place I usually early vote is a church that's like across the street and down a block from Planned Parenthood. And I know what that scene looks like.
0: Oh, I think I used to vote at that exact same church.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I've driven past and seen the line. And then all I can think is like what it's been like to either do events at Planned Parenthood or when I've been a patient and like fighting through all that. I see, my dog's upset about it too. I don't know if you can hear. Yeah. So I haven't gone yet, but I will go. I am anxious about it. I have this like sense that everything is going to work out fine. And then we're going to be okay. Good God, the fear!
1: Would it's not it have the right,
2: fear?
0: Yeah, would it have been possible for you to early or to vote by mail in Tennessee, or do you not want to do that because of possible fear of shenanigans?
2: It, it was that because uh, I thought about it. I, me and my family have been extremely diligent. Uh, I have kind of joked that our house has been all but hermetically sealed. We've got one grocery store runner, i been getting groceries delivered, all that. And at one point, I was like, well, I'll just vote by mail, which up until now had always been secure. And I even came out and said, well, you know, vote by mail. But the constant back and forth, the postal service being gutted, the uh, the confusion about whether you can drop off or whether you have to mail or if you mail, then everybody's saying it's... It, it, so I have to go in person. I have to go in person because it is that important.
0: In in Illinois, they actually have some secure uh, drop-off, uh, you know, drop boxes at the mm-hmm. polling sites for your mail-in ballots. And that's what I decided to do. Um, but I, and, and so I did that the other day. But the, the lines, I mean, there were lines, but it didn't seem like it would have been a two-hour type of thing.
2: Now, talk, your drop boxes there in uh, Illinois are did they look like mail drop boxes, or are they locked or they tended to?
0: Yeah, they were, they were tended to, and they were clearly brought in. They weren't just, you know, they were, they were painted blue and they were, they had a little lock on them and there was a, a lady like an, they were behind, you know, there was no way to get to them. You had to actually ask to come inside the polling site to mm-hmm. get to the box. Was so that like
2: a cardboard box set on a fold-out table with a slit cut in the top, like Valentine's know, Day? it was.
0: I guess it, it was. It was you know some sort of cheap wood box, um, and it was large. It was about you know two thirds of my height or whatever. That's a you know it was it was a large like mail sized mailbox sized thing, um, and you know supposedly they check it period. You know at scheduled times throughout the day, they take the things and. And then they're going to send me a confirmation email when, when they actually receive and count my vote, which I haven't got yet. But,
2: <sighs>
0: but there is a that there is also like a detailed tracking system in Illinois for every step. So that that made me feel more secure about it as well.
2: Yeah, and not and being here in Tennessee, it hasn't. There's not like a clear path, and I don't know anyone that's used it regularly. I know like uh, is it like Colorado? They function entirely on mail-in votes and, of course, all the military and, you know, every single elected member of government in D.C. Uh, I, I just wasn't confident about it. I couldn't... It, it yeah. would feel like dropping a penny in a wishing well, I think, to me if,
0: here. If Illinois were a more hotly contested state, I might have felt more, you know, I might have felt the need to be more sure about it, but... Um,
2: also, that's such a... <sighs> That is such a hot pile. Like, the idea of a contested state and other states, who cares? I know. Like, uh, I have so many feelings. And, like, the the idea of the drop boxes and even what you describe, I don't mean to disparage it. Well, but what it brings to my mind is old literature and old, uh, like, history recollections of voting when the Jim Crow laws were able to take hold like that. It seems like it's very easy. And up until now, I don't think I've ever lived in a time period where I thought that it was easy enough for someone to take it. Does that make sense?
0: Easy enough for someone to,
2: to, to mess with the voting process. Like, in small ways maybe but i always felt very secure about the voting process and you know the the machines we use even though uh was it a decade and a half ago the hanging chads were a concept but i always felt like the voting process in this country was like pretty solid and secure it's one of the things that's like one of our core uh pillars it hasn't been until this election that i know full well that bad actors will do bad bad things
0: oh for sure for sure which i
2: it's 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 very unsettling, and they may succeed that's the thing they may succeed
0: do you i definitely want to get to that to that to that possibility but do you think that the answer is you know broad scale election reform or doing away with the electoral college i mean what would what would restore your confidence in the system? How, how would that even be possible?
2: That's a very broad question. Uh, you could either take me back about eight or nine years ago, 10 years ago, uh, when I didn't know as much and didn't pay as much attention, and <laughs> I was a fun-loving 20-something. That would make me confident. Uh, yes, I believe that <laughs> voter reform it has been a thing that we've needed to deal with um, for hundred and fifty years like that that's been a thing that's been uh like since the definition of the term gerrymandering yeah yes voter reform um like i said we were a country about that
0: you mean making it easier maybe make, making it a holiday so that people can vote um lowering Absolutely. yeah yeah things of that things like that
2: like i i've i've worked jobs where and, you know, I've been pretty privileged, um, like, I've worked at food service, i worked as a bartender, all those things. I made a big stink and made sure that I had my time, but when you work at night in food service, it was easy for me to go vote. Uh, in other positions where I was, like, say, management or on a salary, when I would have to remind my boss, I'm going to go vote now, I oh, will clock out. No, I don't think I will, like, because I know. But I think about the folks who have two or three jobs who literally cannot miss an hour of work. Like they're that hamstrung. It should not, you shouldn't have to choose between feeding your family and participating in the election process at any level.
0: 100%.
2: Uh, Yes, it should be a national holiday. Um, Yes, early voting should have way, way, way more locations. I know where I live here in Memphis there's lots of early voting locations there's three or four within about five minutes from me um there aren't any that I could easily walk to I mean I could because I'm healthy enough it would take me 45 minutes uh but it there's no uh there's also no public transit that's a whole nother thing
0: yeah but it's not easy in to Chicago vote. that's not an issue I, I actually walked to my polling site yesterday it was about a 25 minute walk yeah. I guess somewhere in there
2: I, Chicago's public transit system is something that has made me cry <laughs> I was in one me of the- too
0: but probably not for the same reason. <laughs>
2: Well, it, it was in one of the CTA stations and uh, forgive me if I don't know which one, it had like a couple of risers or stairs. So I looked out and there were people with briefcases and in suits and people who were clearly in like food service uniforms and everything. And the trains were just like on time and mm-hmm. I realized I'd gotten on, around all day and every time I looked at the thing, it pretty much showed up, you know, every 15, 20 minutes, even if it was a minute too late.
0: Yeah, more or less.
2: But you know, living here in Memphis, there are some buses that only run every half hour, and sometimes they just skip one. So, sure. all all of that feeds in. Like, it's such a broad question because. It, yes.
0: And I know it's hard to answer, but
2: uh, I'm also uh, I'm so far fucking left. I think we should all just be able to vote. Like, I think it should be almost harder not to vote. Like, I think you should have to actively avoid it.
0: Yeah, in some places they even, you know, I know they penalize you for not voting. I know that's kind of extreme, but...
2: um, I don't believe in... Yeah, I don't want to punish anyone for not, but it...
0: Maybe incentivize it somehow would be good.
2: Yeah, and uh, a lot of that, like, in a kind of a dope way, you know, it's incentivized in some ways where just good old-fashioned local activism... Like small business owners, if you voted today, you get a free soda or you get one five percent off your bill. I, I kind of love that concept. I don't know if I would like it to be mandated because
0: take that to the chamber of commerce.
2: I've been in a chamber of commerce meeting. Um, those are not people who want people like me to vote, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing they like. <laughs>
0: i all vote huh. to make them share. Um, if, assuming, yeah. assume, uh, no, no. Um, assuming things do go well in a couple of weeks. There's no well. Do you think, well. <laughs> do you think well, this is a two-step Do you think you'll right. feel, do you think you'll feel relieved at that point or will it still be too early?
2: It is not too. Um, yes, there will be a sense of relief. So I, I probably started, I'll be truthful, I have two children, uh, they just turned 11 and 9, and while I I was a little bit aware, like I like to, you know, read the news and check on what was going on, I didn't feel involved in the process, and when my kids came along, I got very, like, very into it and very involved, and since then, I've sort of lost the luster quite a bit, and there's a true thing that even being in the situation right now, where I'm It it should be like a hyperbole for me to say this, but it's not at this time. I know that I have to vote because my one in three million, or not three million, it's a three, I forget the population of the U.S. right now, forgive me, but my one little drop in the bucket will help stand against actual fascism. So yes, if we get to November fourth and all the polls are very, very clear, uh, that'll be one set of relief because I'll know that the, the citizens of the U.S. have
0: have a spoken conscience.
2: and yes, and understood what was going on around them and uh, like decided against it. The next step will be whether the Electoral College is um, pure and good which I don't think they are, but do you well, think I- that those
0: are conversations that, you know, the democratic party or Biden type folks are willing to have?
2: No, they're establishment. Yeah. The two party system is not serving us. It, it hasn't for a long time. And the idea of the electoral college, like when you put it on paper and they show the cool pictures, Uh, Say, do you want this part of the country voting for all of the country? And it may seem like our population is fairly condensed on the seaboards and in the major cities. That's all of the people. Um, Land, you, You don't get to vote more times because you have three acres than if you only have one acre.
0: Does that
2: make sense? Yeah. Again. Even though That's
0: sort of not exactly how they set it up, both in terms of like senatorial representation and the electoral college.
2: Yeah. The, the compromise was to have a, a legislator that was on essentially land one votes for land mass. And before anybody gets upset, I do understand that if a farmer who's got a, a huge plot of land, we don't want to, we don't want to lessen his vote because he's providing and because of his basic business, you know, we, we want the farmers to have a vote, but that's not what it's built on. It's built on.
0: And our economy and society have changed since those rules were set up. Let's, let's be honest.
2: I know. Sometimes when I hear people, like, the founding fathers said, so it's, I don't give a shit. Those dudes are one. They're super good.
0: Extremely. Uh,
2: Two, uh, they did a lot of bad things.
0: Most of them had horrible things.
2: Uh, And they they either did, what I found about the founding fathers, they either did horrible things or they were just flipping lunatics. (laughs) Or both. Yeah. They were mad with power. And at that time, it was because they put out pamphlets that had a thousand person readership. Which made them the uh, YouTube influencer of their era. Right,
0: or podcaster.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's oh, fine God, to say are it.
2: Are you the next Benjamin Franklin? Are you gonna start taking air baths and
0: would you <laughs> would you feel better if, if I was?
2: No, like I said, I think Benjamin Franklin was a little bit of he was a little bit crazy. He was a little wild. Yeah. But those guy the those people dealing with a specific situation a situation that didn't involve uh the internet or cars or um, automatic weapons or uh death and childbirth that was less than 30 percent like they live in an entirely different world and while i understand
0: yes completely
2: to the basic rules the basic concept of the original document was let's all live here together where they're not mean to us like they were where we came from. And now...
0: We've gotten pretty far from that.
2: Yeah, like I, when people talk about Trump, I want to call them royalists, but I know that the reference would be lost on them, which is part of the fucking
0: problem. <laughs> um, you know, you say what what you just said about, um, you know, Biden and you know not being as progressive as you would like. But I do. I assume correctly that you're still voting for him, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> there. I mean, there's no other choice. Is that how you I'm, feel?
2: I'm not going to choke my dog to death for shitting on the carpet. It's just who he is, you know. But yeah. I'm also not going to adopt a feral raccoon to replace him like that <laughs> that's where the choice feels like it like just vote for the feral raccoon or the dog that occasionally shits on the carpet and we wish he was better we wish a lot of things not a cute dog but it, yes uh, yes I will be uh, more importantly I'll be making sure um, and I've been studying already to make sure that it's not just about the presidential elections. It's also about um, the legislative branch. And it's also, and I hope that all of your listeners know this, local politicians are are a big deal. Don't just come out every four years. Local politicians are a big deal. Local ordinances are a big deal.
0: What's, is there anything big that's local on the ballot that's uh, that I might not be aware of? Because I'm sort of more aware of the Illinois ballot right now
2: uh right Here we had a is. big
0: tax we we voted on a big tax thing this go-around that i'm hopeful about
2: i don't think it's on the ballot i've actually uh, i knew this was coming up but uh i've been dodging i've been dodging news and social media for about a week uh, mostly because my doctor said my blood pressure was high <laughs> so i've been trying to get it down Um, I was.
0: that's actually one of my questions I was going to ask is how, if you were taking breaks from social media to manage your anxiety, or if you were managing in other ways.
2: I I wasn't at first, I've been, uh, going to therapist for about two months, which led to me actually going to a general, like a GP PCP. Uh, and I got my blood pressure taken and they were like, are you okay? And then they took it again. It was higher. Again, it was higher, and my doctor was like, I don't think that this is actual hypertension. Um, what's going on in your life? And I was, I just like vaguely waved my arms like, all of it, like, <laughs> in my house for five months. But, like, here in Tennessee, we've got Marsha Blackburn, who, um, oddly pilots a uterus, but seems to hate anyone else that has a uterus.
0: Yeah, she, she's the worst.
2: Oh, god. Um. Uh, and getting those folks out, like getting her out is so paramount. Like Governor Lee, oh he's on the ballot right now actually. My well, phone is far away from me. Like they're talking about uh, essentially banning abortion. When the people that support these bills say that life begins at conception and the thing that's hard for me is when I press them and I say, well when is conception? They don't know they, they they literally don't know and the idea that you would vote on things like that I, mean, to well, South- pe- mm-hmm. I
0: was gonna uh no these are people who base you know a lot of their you know knowledge around faith and you know when pressed on any issues of faith really most people have the same answer and that's they don't really know
2: which is wild to me because also <laughs> not only was the constitution written a long time ago but people are super dead Uh, So it's the Bible. And there are verses you can point to in the Bible that. No, it's not until the heart's beating. No, it's not until the mother uh, feels the life. Not to mention the fact that late-term abortions aren't things that people are having for fun. Did you see, actually, uh, did you see that? that A senator. And again, I should have taken my notes. And my my phone wasn't charged. I should have had it up because I was looking at stuff. There's a senator who spoke very frankly about a late-term abortion that his wife had, and I wouldn't—I'd even hesitate to call it that. Um, baby wasn't viable, and and things had gone very, very wrong. And it would—it would have it taken you, at worst, it would have taken her life. At least it would have taken her fertility, and either way, there wouldn't have been a, a viable baby. And the baby was bare, like. I mean,
0: I haven't heard about this.
2: Hold on, the senator. And I'm proud of him because he's a dude. uh, It's a Michigan senator, Gary Peters. Um, For him to speak up about it, you know, uh, it does affect him clearly. It was his wife. It was his family. Um, She was four months pregnant. Water broke, and there was nothing to reverse it. And she was told to go home and wait for a natural miscarriage, which would have caused damage to her, which might have prevented her from ever having babies again. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it wasn't a uh, was a viable. And under the laws that, especially Tennessee, Mississippi, the personhood laws, all that. They're not from a science standpoint. And anyone who has faith, I don't judge them. God gave us, if if you're a faithful person, you believe that God gave free will to man. He also invented science. Like we always do. That's why God invented sliced bread. Well, in that case, God invented science. Science figured out you don't have to die because something went awry in your pregnancy. You don't have to leave your children motherless. You don't have to widow your partner and you can have another baby. You can try again, but that's why it's important to vote in your local elections where your mayors, you know, even your council members, like it seems small, but your council members affect things right now. They have a lot
0: more direct mm -hmm. control over things than president, even though that feels like a much more important thing on a day-to-day basis. It's actually the local, the local politicians.
2: Yeah. There's a fun thing I learned a couple of years ago. What was it about? It was an ordinance. Uh, I believe it was a, maybe it was a height of the process, but there was a statewide um, ordinance or I might not have the exact word. It might've had a different term, which had different, like I might be mixing up vocabulary words. Uh, about a curfew, <laughs> and Memphis city leaders said they, they they didn't have to enforce it. And the concept of enforcement, and and this is this is a lot of like political science stuff that I am not one hundred percent qualified to discuss. But when our city leaders said we're not enforcing this, this is not okay. This is. Um, this is an infringement. We're not going to enforce it. That meant that I got to live here in the city of Memphis without the state government in Nashville. Essentially, they they, they couldn't touch my freedoms and my rights because my local leadership protected me. And the system kind of built that way. I'm sure if the city, or not the city, that I keep talking about it, the state of Mississippi. If they'd have known um, that they were... Uh, electing a governor that might put them one day in the top winning score for positive uh, COVID cases <laughs> in deaths.
0: Winning being a funny choice, but yeah. <sighs> That's
2: what's happening. That's what's happening. They're not being educated. There are people 30 miles away from me who are going to Walmart without their masks and they're not afraid or worried about it. Because they don't frequent the same, you know, sources I frequent and they don't look around and they're trusting their leadership to tell them what's safe and what's not. And their leadership is not. Yeah. You have to vote. You have to vote for people who educate themselves. You have to vote for people who don't want power for the sake of power. You have to vote for people that people who have lived a life parallel with yours.
0: Do you think? Oh, Mm -hmm. no, go ahead. If you have more.
2: Oh, no, it just, it continuously floors me. I grew up in West Memphis, redneck, trailer trash, um, racist redneck, daddy, all his friends, all that good stuff. And I remember these people. I remember them standing around drinking beers. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> fucking rich bosses always telling us what to do rich man don't fucking understand me them German town sons of bitches they don't get what it's like to work for a living and all like all of that I respect very you know country boy can survive type shit
0: yeah I got respect for that sure
2: somehow those folks have been turned
0: Yeah, and now somehow... they're
2: respecting a new like, like y'all remember the salsa commercial right new york city (laughs) and now they're on his side he's got a golden toilet or so he claims. he's actually not great at being a businessman but he's every new like big city slicker rich man rockefeller that they hated and they've been manipulated
0: I, I randomly, you know, uh, I have I have the Peacock app and, you know, they mm-hmm. they just a- added just like the entire like history of Saturday Night Live on there. So I randomly watched some episodes from like 1989, mm-hmm. like two or three in a row. And I was shocked at how many Donald Trump jokes there were in all the episodes. And Phil Hartman was doing his Donald Trump impression, all of them. And it was just like he was this utter punchline and fool. And this was 1989. You know, it's really hard mm-hmm you know, to, to and, now that, and now he's the fucking president.
2: You're the free world. is a friend of mine. I don't know. I, you may remember him. His name's uh, Ross Turner. Yeah. Yeah. I, but there was some point I he's a up comic. I saw him do a set. And this was before the election. When we were like, when a lot of us were like, really, really? Donald, Donald Trump guys serious about this like you're not playing um so at the time it was so funny but he, he was writing a joke and he was like all of this is because of the disenfranchised white voter and he would just start and he's a white guy he's a handsome white guy he's a privileged white guy he understands all that but he would just start laughing and it would kill me every time because i found him like the disenfranchised white male voter yeah like y'all 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 mad because you feel like you don't have what what don't you have you you don't have what <laughs> like, like this this dude verifiably wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire.
0: There, there's a, um, there's a cliche that uh, people used to say to comedians when like a Republican would get elected. And that was like, oh, well this must be really good for your act. Um, was, I mean, I, was this ever funny to you?
2: No, it actually came, like I've been doing standup for so long. and I, I, I like to talk about real things. I don't necessarily insist on being political. Um, but when I find a laugh, I laugh about it. I want to interject real briefly. Okay. This is hard to say. I'll be honest. Okay. I don't think all Republicans are, are just automatically trash people.
0: Oh, no, I don't either. Okay.
2: I think, like, I know with my really, like, lefty sensibilities, with my... Like honestly, I want to live on a commune. I want us to all share things. I want. Well, I to never think about money again. The country's too big for that. I know that that's that's the wild dream. There should be someone. Um, I'm I'm uh,
0: pro a minimum income. That's a big thing that a lot of people are talking oh about my these God. Days. Yeah, they're test. Is- they're actually test marketing it in a few cities. Like uh, uh, on the on the hush hush. I don't know if you've read about it, but a few cities have. Have taken like small groups of, of like communities or whatever mm-hmm. and started giving them checks every month and started t- seeing what happens.
2: It's fucking crazy. They've done entire country um, experiments and the shit works. Yeah. I'm like, I get the idea that you, you work for a living, but the concept of working for a living.
0: People excludes, still do work for a living in those yes. places. Is the thing
2: it excludes? It pretends like there's no situation where people are are working for not, a where people are are killing themselves for for not enough. And I do like so for a, a business to be able to employ. 20 people at a living wage there should be someone, this is this is an odd example, there should be someone in charge who's a, a pretty savvy knows the markets, is always looking to make a profit so they can provide that right, because if it's people like me, like if I ran a business, I would give everything away, it would be a terrible business runner yeah. I, I'm bad at it I get that, I get that there should be a push and pull, there should be a balance there should be back and forth but it should be under the concept of of, um, it should be focused on resources and about how best to share the resources And we all cover the concept of sharing the resources so that no one dies um from not having resources like that would be ideal that seems reasonable that doesn't seem revolutionary at all no one should no one should die because they're rationing their insulin. No one should die because they can't eat. No one should die because they, they with grew them. up
0: in a neighborhood where they don't have pharmacies or whatever. Right. Yep.
2: Um, that's not, <laughs> if, if you say something like that, any person that responds to me, well, that's just me bullshit. You mean people should just die? Like they should just die. Like that's,
0: I think if you press people that they, they wouldn't, you know, no one would be able to like pull the trigger. But I do think that for some anyway, that there is sort of like an Ebenezer Scrooge like sort of put them in prisons or, you know, just like out of sight. I don't care. You know, the,
2: the, the big problem is, though, the, the way our whole thing is set up and the interplay between pop culture and government and media and I'm not. Disparaging any one of those things, but working together, you can get a real goddamn trifecta. The people who sincerely do not give a shit about human life, who only exist to profit, pad their coffers, and win um, small bets of manhood by murdering endangered animals. That type of person. Uh, goes on TV and lies about Mexican gangs raping people or the sanctity of life. They they lie, and then they radicalize the people who ninety I think ninety nine percent of people are, are reasonable, but malleable. Like any yeah. any, any pro lifer, if you really 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 talk to them, if you got a chance to sit down and. It takes a lot. I'm not saying that I could take any prolifer and turn them into a pro-choicer. Like I'm not... Uh, I, I'm not a, a, a crazy like that, but... I don't think... my mo- Like, my mother would have survived a third pregnancy. Full stop. She was told. Yeah. She took her birth control. She was careful until she could afford until she could afford because she got health insurance years later there's a couple of points to prevent she had to take birth control she was even married in the eyes of the Lord she was married <laughs> she took her birth control um, birth control works most of the time but there's so many things that could go wrong uh, manufacturing defect a stomach virus at the wrong time mm-hmm.
0: antibiotics or something
2: yeah antibiotics yeah. with her not being educated or if she gained weight and her dose was wrong or so many, things. So, many sure. things so we talk about all these factors if you would ask any one of those people which one of these factors is appropriate to leave two children because i have a sister two children without a mother which one is the one I should be two children without a mother. Because she also would have been able to carry a term. So I wouldn't even have had a sibling. Which one of those?
0: Mm.
2: And we couldn't say it. And that's the thing. These people that only care about gathering power themselves. Keep us from talking about the things that would make all of these moot points. We wouldn't be talking about abortion even one tiny bit. If sex ed... Was comprehensive and in every schools and science based. Uh, if condoms were available, like free, like every single time I run an event or do a shit like and not
0: stigmatized school. either, you know, right, yeah.
2: Right. I mean, I it, it, took, it school, took me
0: forever to be able to. I mean, just as a really, you know, yeah, I you know, I went to a I went to a Christian school, you know. Oh, no. Well,
2: well, my mom was very young when I was born. She was uh, 17 when I was born. So (laughs) even before I was actually out, even before I hit puberty, my friends had, I was the one that always had the condoms. Or I'd go, give me your $15. I'll go get you condoms. Uh Because I'd tell them. I'd be like, my mom works for minimum wage. You're not getting pregnant unless you want to live like her. (laughs) Like, don't live her life. Uh, But, yeah, you could just get condoms. Uh, If you could just get birth control, if you get long lasting birth control, if by choice sterilization wasn't stigmatized when I went to the doctor last week, I'm 36 years old, I have two kids, they have different dads, I'm finished having children. I told the nurse that I I had my tubes tied and she said, Oh, why? You're so young. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) That might have also been why my blood pressure was high. But like yeah, all of these factors, if we did all these things, we had health care for everyone. Um, if we had actual knowledge about uh, what viable means, what um, conception means, what all of these things mean, we would never talk about, it would become termination, which is a word that's a little softer, but we'd never talk about it again. We'd never fight about it ever again. But people keep us, worked up people keep us fighting i forget and i can look it up there's a politician you don't have to uh, what was it actually first off linda v johnson who i love in history but would have hated uh to be around for because you no, know, lbj was a bastard right
0: yeah i've heard he was kind of a Kind of an asshole or something
2: uh he at some point one of his staffers took a note when he was campaigning he said to run an article that his opponent um fuck farm animals
0: oh my gosh That's and
1: his funny. staffer
2: was like what are you talking about he doesn't do that he was like yeah i know i just want to hear the son of a bitch and, uh, deny it like <laughs> Uh, if you can convince oh, it was him. If you can convince the lowest white man, he's better than the colored man. He won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him someone to look down on. Yeah. His pockets for you. That's what's happening. That's what's happening to us.
0: That's 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 it to a T.
2: And it that's where my anxiety is. is how effective it is. I know that there are a lot of people who either. A, are interested, B, aren't able because they're working too much to be involved in the political process, or C, are so anxious about it and, 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 uh, indoctrinated that they're afraid to admit that maybe one of their previous stances was wrong. And, and those people are getting worked, they're getting worked hard, and I almost have, if, no, I do. I do have pity for them, but the question now is the question for the next 20 days is how well are they being worked?
0: Is there anything I, that. Oh, no. Mm-hmm.
2: Go for oh, it. No. They've kept us working 40 hours a week, they've kept us sick. They've kept us unable to get health care mental care. They, they've kept us in such a shit spot that we're all but feral cats at this point. Reactive. Did it work? We'll find out in 20 days if it worked
0: is there anything that you would say to someone who I can't imagine that there is someone listening to this, who is still <laughs> on the fence or consider maybe considering not voting or, you know, I think it's more likely that they're considering not voting than considering voting for Trump. But in either case, is there anything you would say to someone who's still on the fence about voting or still on the fence about Joe Biden? Uh, first,
2: if, there, if there's a uh, like, Face-to-face thing, I would say, yeah, I get it. Um, I would remind them that Joe Biden has been a stutterer all his life. He's not senile. He's just got fucking stutter and always has, which is why he was vice president the first time. Um, So just take it easy on him.
0: Yeah, one of my best friends stutters.
2: Yeah, I know. The idea that you would bully a stutterer, like that's a, a third grade reader. Like that's, that's the bad guy. The one who yells at the guy that Sutter. Well,
0: know. that's, that's not even as low as he gets. I'm, I'm afraid, but
2: <laughs> and there's, yeah. And there's bad stuff. And he, he was real fucking wrong. I don't think he's a good person because he's a politician. You don't rise to power without wanting power and you don't want power unless something's wrong with you. However, Presidency is not It's part of a huge huge system that's supposed to work properly for us It's still the system, it's still an establishment man Voting for Trump is not just voting for that person. It's voting for a deep manipulation of the American people For one man's ego, this man got dozens of people sick. That's what I would do. I would remind them. So, you know, the uh, Rose Garden Massacre that just
0: happened? Sure.
2: I was looking around. uh, one One of the colleges set up a contact tracing because none of the media outlets were allowed to run it or pursue any stories about it. And so... You know, the internet got crazy and I was looking at it and it showed, you know, when positive tests came through and all the activities of the people, um, the politicians, And then it was focusing on the politicians. And then you got to this web, this web of, uh, infected and I saw like one little crazy dot over the side and I went and hovered over that dot and that dot was a housekeeper in the White House. Housekeeper it doesn't matter your politics. The housekeeper is going to work every day she work her butt off, which we all respect. I imagine housekeeping in the White House is a pretty like like you you can't screw around like that's not, a, not an easy job. yeah
0: I bet it's not even I mean even when like Obama or somebody cool was president, I bet it was still a pretty stressful job
2: and uh, and, uh, and I imagine being a housekeeper in the White House you probably incredibly proud of what you do you have a great deal of pride you've passed all all the screenings you're not in danger of being
0: radicalized you're it's the nba of housekeeping
2: (laughs) like yeah you're you're dusting hundred year old artifacts or, or, or changing beds in the Lincoln bedroom or whatever sure and you go to work every day and you serve your country in that way i don't think there is Many positions more patriotic than that kind of position, the cooks, the housekeepers. And you went to work and maybe you tried to wear a mask and your boss, who happens to be the leader of the free world, so you take your mask off, unless you support Biden, but you want to keep your job and got sick, and I haven't followed up on that story. I haven't found the name because I couldn't do it for my own heart. Let's talk about working people. The person Mm -hmm. vacuuming this motherfucker's floors, dusting or taking the laundry back and forth had no choice and he got them sick.
0: It just shows, I mean, he's never had concern for anyone but himself. And uh, you know it's kind um, of like shocking but not surprising
2: but that's a very like microcosm so it doesn't give a shit about the housekeepers And from my understanding most of the folks in the White House like there's a lot of folks in the White House who serve for multiple multiple presidents and they just do their job they go to work, they do their job, they take care of things, they probably love the White House more than they love the president sometimes didn't give a like, and that's a face-to-face interaction. That's probably someone the president's passed in the hallway. Maybe he knows the name. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's appreciated.
0: I bet oh, he doesn't.
2: I mean, maybe selfishly he's been like, "Oh, get you know, get that person. They make my bed great." Maybe that made them super happy. Maybe not. Maybe never noticed. Maybe just fold your clothes and set them up. Maybe maybe just dusted
0: the tables either way. Yeah. I just think if, if he has so little concern with people that are that, that are that close to him, how could he possibly be concerned to bring this back to where we started with like the farmer in Kansas or wherever, you know, I mean, he clearly, he's not any more concerned for that person, for that random farming Trump supporter. And yeah. the people that are close to him in his life
2: and that's like when i hear those rednecks, and like i hear like the it's the it's the mother tongue of my people mm-hmm. when i hear him talk i i get torn because part of me wants to cat like not casually but carefully speak with them and understand their values and and see where they are and sort of like help them and and, and show them like multiply verified sources to like things that actually happened and help them cut through the lies, help them understand how to cut through the lies that they're better participants in their own destiny. And then the other half of me just wants to go, he doesn't give a fuck about you. (laughs) He would shit on your face if you were asleep. Like he doesn't fucking care about you. Like he he would mace you. Also, you, you cannot fucking love Dukes of Hazard and Donald Trump at the same time. I'll plant my flag and I'll die on this hill. He's fucking boss hog, you jackass.
0: You know, with Bush, at least, there was still sort of a Dukes of Hazard quality, I guess. <laughs> if well, you Bush want to break like it.
2: One, are we talking about W?
0: Yeah, are yeah. Are talking w. about. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, w, w was like one step lower. Like he was the entitled, uh, like frat boy that got old. Um, senior was a career politician.
0: Oh yeah, CIA, like heavily. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Donald Trump has no politics was never interested. He just wanted to make a bunch of money and defraud the government, which is no. He was problem. hosting
0: WrestleManias like when <laughs> Wood Bush was president. You know, so I know
2: I'm super upset. Like I want to be excited that our president is in the WWE Hall of Fame. No, that's but embarrassing
0: I'm... for the Hall of Fame.
2: <laughs> right? I'm like the Hall of Fame fucked up there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is a Hall of Fame that also includes like. You know, Ric Flair or whatever, and but Donald oh Trump. Oh my
2: God, that beautiful monster!
0: Yeah, but Donald Trump is is the is the black mark.
2: I hate it all, so, I get. I guess I know. Uh, I know we're about at the cutoff. In conclusion, <laughs> <laughs> I'm tense. I'm waiting uh, for the lines to die down. My therapist has told me that I'm correct. Not to set myself up for failure, so I'll wait for the first couple of days, and I'll go in and I'll early vote in person.
0: Oh, that's it. Do you have a you have a plan? You're going to vote next week, probably.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll be keeping an eye on things. Like for the past seven years, I've early voted uh, at every every chance or every time the polls open for anything. And it's usually yeah. less than thirty minutes. The one time I've gotten gone on election night, it was like an hour and a half. Uh, so I will do that again.
0: Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't recommend it. Although, I mean, this year, who knows, like the rules for everything are, you know, just out <laughs> the window. So who knows, maybe election day would be like the day to go. But yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it.
2: Because all the wafflers. Can you imagine waffling right now? Like I, I don't even, miss, I cannot imagine waffling right now. I can't imagine being torn. Like I can't imagine having. I was a
0: waffler 30. six you know not you know maybe like six months ago or something i was still pretty pissed about like you know i was really had high hopes for bernie sanders and all that stuff so i was kind of pissed about that but so much has happened since then that like i mean i you know like obviously (laughs) that has long been beaten out of me i've already kept my vote has already been cast so there's no there's no doubt about it
2: i also have learned in the past 10 years like it's just been a series of devastating blows now some devastating blows worked out okay but when this orange son of a bitch was elected four years ago, my poor husband, he, he's, he's not as, like, angry as me, as involved well as me. We did a a show, a stand-up show, actually, on the night of the election, and uh, I ended the show. I, it wasn't a headline spot, I ended it. And the second-to-last person was a black guy named Richard Douglas Jones. Yeah. And Josh McLean had stacked it all. And I looked at the lineup, and I asked him, I was like, Josh, did you intentionally line it up so that the black man passed the mic to a white woman? And he was like, don't worry about it, boss. Which is <laughs> a very Josh McLean thing. Um, and we were very, we, we all thought that, Reason like even by like eight o'clock, I was like, "Oh well, the places with colleges haven't counted their votes yet."
0: <laughs> I can't um, imagine I, trying to do jokes like by the time you went on. Did you know things were going badly? Yeah,
2: it was done, and I, okay. I was tearful. Um, I I was it's almost a funny thing. There was about twelve of us. It was supposed to just be a, a showcase while the uh, election results were behind us. And what we all thought was, by the time I got on stage, we would be like, "Woo!"
0: Celebrating, sure,
2: Yay. popping um, the
0: champagne. Even,
2: yeah, like even I was like, I had jokes ready to be like, "I don't like this motherfucker either," but at least we didn't shit the bed. Like that was my joke to open <laughs> because I thought
1: oh, all yeah. of
2: it. And. Uh, As the count started coming, by like number six, everyone kept repeating the same refrain, which is, it's going to be okay, with increasing and increasing hysteria. And I noted that, when I finally got up, I noted that, I was like, everybody keeps saying it's going to be okay, and I noticed it got more and more hysterical, and so then I just hysterically went, it's going to be okay. (laughs) <laughs> um, I think I read the preamble. I think I was, we were all pretty drunk and upset. And I came home and I tried to explain to Brian why it was so bad. And I curled up a ball so hard that I pulled my hip out of socket. Yeah. And, and I started marching and doing stuff. So Do you- I don't think, I don't think there's any just or, or modern world where this could possibly fucking happen.
0: Do you have anything planned for the election day? Like, like how, you know, how are you going to watch it? Are you going to be keeping up with everything minute to minute or you just going to like maybe try to pace yourself and just check in every once in a while? Do you have any kind of strategy?
2: You know what? I haven't done. I have what day? Yes, that's... Um, I don't know yet. Honestly, I think what I should probably do is use a vacation day for Wednesday. Probably. No matter what.
0: I've scheduled that whole week. I'm not going to put do any po- podcast episodes that week just because I can't imagine trying to promote something really in either case. But uh, yeah. just just trying to distract from that. Like it feels like it, it. I mean, it feels like it would be futile. But also, I you know. There's no it's reason either, to call attention to something else.
2: Right. Like it's either it's either gonna be like you know that seat it, with the uh speed, right? You know when the speed when it's counter <laughs> roofs, and sure. uh oh what's her name? Sandy uh, Bullock. Sandy Bullock, and they're just like hugging on the little like the the rolly thing.
0: Uh, <laughs> the bus? Right.
2: It's <laughs> either gonna be that by like eleven on Tuesday, <laughs> or it's uh, it's gonna be a thing that's not a movie or fun or entertaining. <laughs> at all. I think I think what I should probably do because it's the girls will still be in school. I think now that I think about it, I should probably take Wednesday off. Um. Wednesday, actually, is the day I see my therapist. That's probably good. I think I should probably just turn the goddamn TVs off and play Skippo or Twister or the Game of Life with my kids.
0: Skippo. That's a good one. Uh, I used to play in a band that that was a big-time Skippo band. We used to play in the tour van.
2: I've played Skippo when people get very serious. Were you guys, like, man serious about it? Where you were just like... Fucking got two left, you bitch. Uh, like, we
0: had we had one dude who was sort of like the he he's the one who had the cards. Yeah, he he was more serious than the rest of us for sure.
2: The one who'd be like, Oh, you played that, you know that's on my fucking stack. Talking
0: and, shit. Yeah, yeah.
2: Next time I buy you a beer, fuck you, buddy. Like it's
0: like <laughs> like a, a Domino's in jail scene or something.
2: <laughs> you yeah, like, like licking the cards and them in your head. Fucking <laughs> Totally. No, I think I think that'll probably be my uh, best attack. Is just ignore TV, like turn off the phones, spend one night pretending like nothing exists, and because no matter what, I can't change it, and then wake up the next day and decide if I'm gonna pain you drink or or Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves on a <laughs> fucking rolly thingy drink.
0: Oh, the rolly thingy. <laughs>
2: Trauma bonding, I think, is what uh, they talked about. Sure, <laughs> maybe I'll hit you
0: up. Awesome, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be around. um Well, Katrina, I think I think we've done well for ourselves here. Thank you for um talking to me about all this. Um, is there anything like? Do you want to refer anyone to social media or anything that you've got? You know, any project or something you might have coming up?
2: Oh, well, I definitely appreciate you uh, hollering at me, JD. Uh, always oh, always happy to t- not happy to talk about it but it's probably better if i talk about it get it off my chest um first off i want to absolutely encourage everyone um to find their local stuff find your local stuff here in memphis uh the mid-south Beach justice center is amazing i don't know the local chicago uh things or whatever you have in your city uh definitely Work with your local... Like, we also have Just Memphis, who works at Money Bail. Find those places that are local. Vote local. All that good stuff. As for me, I do... I do perform hypothetically. Um, You can check out old You Look Like episodes and and stuff I've done under Katrina Coleman. Uh, That that doesn't seem important now. Maybe... Not doing stand-up has made me... I'm, I'm gonna go back. Also... Please, everyone, stop being a shithead and wear your masks and stop eating and breathing on each other and eating farts. Stop eating farts so that I can go out and do stand up again and leave my (laughs) house. So that,
0: you know, I'm sure it's probably a lot worse down there than it is here. I mean, not that, you know, not that there aren't uh, Trump supporters or whatever in Illinois, but. Um, the mask thing is a lot more under control and, um, it's definitely a bit of a relief to me to be more in the more liberal North during this time for, you know, it seems like it would be more stressful to be in the South right now.
2: But do you, <laughs> is there a term for uh, when i I call my husband from Chicago, a carpetbagger all the time. Is there a term for reverse carpetbagger?
0: Uh, I think it's really cool. Guy from Memphis.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I don't know. they J- probably B
2: D Rigger, B D E Rigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't, tell, don't tell your wife I called you J B D E. Actually, no, tell her she'll love it. Okay. <laughs> love you guys. I hope you guys are are doing well out there. I'm happy to hear that that you're settling in.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And um, I, at some point, you know, after this is all over, maybe we can do the big like uh, comedy interview talk about, you know, why you seek attention on stage and stuff like that.
2: Oh, you're going to come at the last minute with a little <laughs> little uppercut? We're going <laughs> to <gonna> do
0: that? <laughs> all right. I had to do something.
2: <laughs> you did not have to. <laughs> But you did. I seek attention because there's an empty hole in me that will never be filled by a father who never loved me. There, cool. that's how I end your podcast. You started, <laughs> I end.
0: <laughs> well, now, now we have something to. That's like a teaser for when we really, when we really do that episode.
2: <laughs> also, if this asshole with daddy issues doesn't fucking love Trump and his promise of protection, you can overcome it too. <laughs>
0: all right that's the show thank you katrina thank you aaron thank you to arthur with two h's for the opening theme thank you to joey pegram for the closing theme thank you for listening and if for whatever reason if you're still on the fence please just go ahead and vote and until next time assuming there is one take care y'all of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.